Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined by Rachel Ritson, who is a boss lady of her own estate agency in the Lake District. And she has an absolutely fascinating story of how she's gone from part-time accounts clerk all the way through to running the estate agency. Um, and uh, I know she won't like me saying this, but basically one of the best estate agents in the UK, according to Peter Knight. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, Rachel. good morning. Thank you. Thank you for coming down to Grantham. Um, what I'd like to do is ask you your story of, of, of coming from mum, part-time accounts card, all the way through to, to running what, as I said, Peter Knight considers one of the best estate agents in the UK. Um, and, and the trials and tribulations of that journey so we, so people can learn from that, get inspiration from it. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. Good stuff. So, yeah. so Rachel, um, <clears throat> did you grow up wanting to be an estate agent? No, who does? <laughs> okay. Never, never entered, never entered my mind. Um, I suppose I've always, I, I can remember as a little girl getting a typewriter, maybe about seven or eight, and enjoyed pretending to, to run a hotel or writing records down and things like that. So, um, but in terms of estate agency, no, it's never, it's, I don't know whose career aspiration it actually is, to be honest. So uh, when you left school, what, train, what did you train to be? So um, I left school, I didn't do particularly well at school, I didn't have a particularly good time, so never really felt I was uh, clever enough for uni. My brother was the clever one, he went to uni. I was going to go to secretarial college and actually got a job as an office junior um, for a company in Leeds, um, a, sort of a manufacturing company in the finance department. Is that, is that where you're from, West Yorkshire? Yes, yeah, okay. Leeds girl, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Leeds, 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 Leeds. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, so how did that job go? Uh, really well. I was there 10 years. I worked my way up from office junior, went into um, management account side of the business, um, got more responsibility there and just worked really hard and actually realised that I did enjoy learning and wanted to learn, started to take my accounts exams, that's what you did um, in, that, in that department. But I think I realised they weren't really for me, as much as I like facts and figures, um, the accounting side I saw as a little bit dry. Okay. So um, yeah, that was, that was then. So in the late 90s, you upskittles and went to the Lake District. What, 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 what was all that about? Yes, so with husband number one, um, I'd, I'd had uh, my first son at that stage. And whilst on maternity leave with son number two, we moved up to the, to the Lake District. Were you moving up because of your husband's job? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So did you, did you take on your accountancy, you know, your numbers? How did, you, how did that work? So um, within a few months of, um, so I was still on maternity leave when we, meant, when we went up there. Um, and actually within three months of having my son, um, I found out I was pregnant again, which was not a good day, I have to say. It's not absolutely not what I wanted. So really, I just went into pregnancy number three um, and then had my daughter nine months later. So at that point, I wasn't working. Um, but then very quickly it bothered me that I didn't have my own uh, that I wasn't earning my own income so I did some work from home but it but it wasn't accounts orientated okay so you 
When did you actually start to be an estate agent? Was it around the, the millennium, wasn't it? So um, around 2000, yes, it was late 2000. I applied for a job with a local estate agents. It was, um, I think it was weekend receptionist role, which I didn't really feel was for me. It was front facing. I'd never been public front facing before. Well, apart from when um, I had a, a, a Saturday job at 15 and I didn't enjoy the, the public interface. Um, now, my, my understanding is, is that very soon after joining, being a, you know, a part-time person at the estate agents, um, you, you unfortunately divorced, is that right? Yes, so um, within, I think it was the, the following year, I, w I became a single mum of, of three children under five, which was, which was challenging. I could have moved back down to Leeds, but I didn't. My, my eldest son had settled in school, um, so I decided to stay and, and tough it out on my own. Surely you must have had some fears um, it, it was hard. Yeah, absolutely. It was hard. I ended up going um, self-employed at that stage to earn some more money. Um, so hold on a second. You, 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 you divorced your husband, three kids under the age of five, and you went self-employed. Yes, which wow. I can remember at the time was so daunting. What now seems to me like, well, it's just filling in a few forms. Uh, at the time, it was a, it, it, it was a massive thing. I mean, it would have been easy just to go back to Leeds, wouldn't it, where the family come from? It would, yes, yeah. What, what do you think your biggest fear was making that, or did you think to yourself, well, uh, one of my pillars of my life, of my marriage is gone, I might as well kick the other one out, one of the other ones out, which is work, and, and go self-employed. Is that the sort of person you are, or, or was it just a needs-must basis? It, it was a bit of a needs-must at the time, um, which was a case of bringing in more income. So, it, and all I was doing was just doing accounts for local businesses. There's a lot of small um, businesses in and around sort of the area where I live. So I was just providing accounts, management accounts, bit of structure within those businesses um, to just bring in a bit more money. And in a way, work was my salvation. It was a difficult time um, and work, work got me through. It kept me focused on what I needed to do. Weren't you worried about the fact that you wouldn't be bringing money in for your kids? I mean, obviously, their fa the father would have been responsible for some of it, but you still had to bring the money in as well, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Did you, were you, were you scared? Yes, 100% scared, but you've got to do what you've got to do and, and the kids come first and um, I did what I what I needed to and, do. And what lesson did you learn from from that particular episode in your life? That I was that I was tougher than I thought I was, that when one one door closes, another always opens. I mean there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who are considering making the move to self employed estate agency and I know that's not what this is about. But mm -hmm. what would your message be to them with what you learnt when you went self employed? If you've got a desire to do it, you've got the commitment, you've got the focus, you can cope with the rough times, give it a blooming go. And, and is there anything, and again, just in this aspect of your life, is there mm -hmm. anything you'd have done differently in hindsight when you went self-employed and doing a part-time bookkeeper? Um, probably looking back, don't beat yourself up so much about your mistakes accept that you're going to be uncomfortable and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Okay, are you, are you a bit of a perfectionist yourself? I can be, which is a bit of a downfall. I can overthink things at times. And Throughout the years of, you know, and again, we'll get to that later in the, in the, in the interview, 
Um, how have you got over, how did you get over that perfectionism? I, I probably haven't. I know it's there, but I've done a lot of work on, on self-awareness. So I understand myself better. I know when some of those traits are kicking in. Um, I did some brilliant work on understanding your dark side. So when you are, when you are under stress, what elements of you come out? So I know now when things like that are happening and, and then I make a choice. Well, actually, is it appropriate or isn't it? And if it isn't, back off. And if it is, that's fine. So do you think probably the biggest le lesson you've learned is self-awareness of, 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 your, of your good and bad sides and dealing with it? Yeah, I think that's really important. We are the way we are. Accept that, but learn to temper it when you need to okay. um, and pull on the strengths when you need to. Now, I'm led to believe that you found husband number two in the lakes a few years later. <laughs> I uh, did. Doing uh, his accounts. Doing his, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Checks and balances. Um, so, and um, how, I know he had three stepchildren and a dog. So how did that mix with your three kids then? So, yeah, blended family, classic blended family. They were all of a similar age. So um, I think now we've got 23 to 30, so school age. Um, really, well, I mean, it was, it was difficult. We had sort of two different probably styles of, no, I wouldn't say different styles of parenting. I think essentially our values are very similar. We're very different people, um, but our values are very similar. Our moral compasses are very similar. So in that way, whenever we did have challenges or issues, we could pull back to actually we both felt the same way really. By bringing two households together do you think you learned something which helped you in your business going forward probably in later years? Um, I actually think having children and the compromise that you have to make and the negotiation very often that you have to do and that you don't always get your own way um, is can totally be applied in the work situation. So you've talked to an awful lot of bosses and they say that their staff are almost like dealing with their own children, just that you can't tell them off. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. And you've got to, well, maybe when your kids are younger, you, you kind of can tell them what to do. You know, it's time for bed, eat your peas, blah, blah, blah. But as they get older, you, you've got to, if you want a good, wholesome relationship with your children, you've got to listen to them. Um, you can't tell them what to do. And also, if you think about it, three of them were also your, your kids, but the other three were, you weren't their mum. So, again, there's a slightly different relationship, which, yeah. again, can help you in your life. Now, um, I'd like to believe in around 2010, you actually joined Grisdale's full-time. I what, think it was about that time, yes. When, what made you go full-time with that, then? Um, I think I'd reached a point. I was working at another business um, quite a number of hours, and it, it was almost sort of became 50-50 between, between Grisdale's and the other business. And it was probably a time of having to choose, well, which one did I want to commit to? And, you know, Tim Grisdale was, was really good to me. He offered me lots of opportunities. I learned an awful lot from him. And I felt, again, we, we had very similar values. Um, so I felt, for me, that that was the right business to, to what, commit what, to. What, you went full-time, but in what, what aspect of the business? So again, still behind the scenes, so very much sort of business support. It was HR, it was finance, it was admin. Um, kind of the infrastructure of, of the business, the facilities. So all that behind-the-scenes stuff, I think, oils the wheels of a business that sometimes actually can be underestimated. Because I've done it, I, I know how important it is. Now, I'm led to believe that a few years later, uh, 
Tim decided that he announced he was going to retire. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that they offered it to the valuers and the, and the senior people. Yeah, I, as I remember, and it's a long time ago now, it wasn't so much an announcement, but, you know, it was sort of, had been discussed. How that, old was Tim at this point? Um, he, will, he wanted to retire at, at 60, so this was probably a couple of years before that he started to sort of mention that, that there would be some sort of exit strategy. Um, and I, I suppose naturally you maybe would have thought it would have been the valuers within the business, the estate agents um, that would have wanted to take that on. But and, and it's I can't recall exactly, but but nobody really sort of stood up and, and wanted to take it, take it forward. Um, by that time, we were working pretty closely together as well in terms of decisions on strategy and direction of the business. Um, so it did just, he ask you or did you ask him? I can't remember, to be honest. I think maybe the chats just evolved. It wasn't like one day he came and he said, I'm retiring, do you want it? I think it, it evolved over months, maybe even longer than that. But you wanted to take over an estate agency, but had you been out valuing? And no. And I was very aware of that, that I thought, well, actually, I could take my skill set and I could put that into any business. It's the behind-the-scenes stuff you could you could put anywhere. Um, and I started to think, well, if I if I am to take this business on, how can I manage people when I don't really know what they're doing? So that's when we made the decision between us that I would cut down on some of the work that I was doing and actually learn to be a valuer. Okay. And I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, because in my head having been sacked from John Lewis at the age of 15 because I couldn't sell polish, shoe polish, um, I thought, well, I'm rubbish with people and, and you know, I don't do sales and I, um, I won't be able to do it. Can you remember your first valuation? Um, no. You can't? <laughs> I can't. That's, quite, that's quite rare. Most people can it's probably the trauma. <laughs> how, did you, how, how did you get on being a valuer? I surprised myself that I loved, I loved the people interaction. So kind of the nuts and bolts of coming up with the comparables and, um, you know, that side, that side was interesting. Um, but I found when I was in people's houses and I was listening to their stories, some of them difficult. You were, you were sometimes meeting people that were vulnerable. Um, and I really felt like I empathised and I wanted to help them and felt that, that I could. Do you think it was almost, you didn't realise you always wanted to be an estate agent until, because <laughs> that's before, before this point, you were a bookkeeper, a bit of HR, you know, then all of a sudden you went out fishing for, you know, yeah. in the pond of, of estate agency. Yeah. Did, did you like it straight away or was it? I did like it straight away. I think, well, I loved going around the houses. I mean, who doesn't like looking at a house, I, you know? I worked out that there have been like, like 15,000 bedrooms in Grantham when I used to be an estate <laughs> agent. And my favourite bit is always looking in the area cupboards. Don't ask me why I just love looking in the area cupboards. <laughs> um, what, do you think what you'd learnt not being an estate agent actually made you being an estate agent, being a better estate agent, I mean? I think it made me... Probably not the estate agency part of it. Um, or the people skills. The people skills, maybe I had them, I didn't realise 
I, I did have them. Um, I think the behind the scenes stuff has very much helped me in terms of running the business because I think um, I'm not just focused on what the front end and what the sales is doing. I'm very, you know, I'm aware of the figures, the KPIs, the structure of the business, you know, meeting rhythms, all those sorts of things. Because normally most estate agents come come at it from just, you know, running their own estate agents because they're a bloody good valuer. Yeah. And they learn those skills or they have to learn it and most fail. You came at it from the other way. The other way around. You? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, that's quite a rare thing in a state agency, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Well, it is in a lot of small businesses, isn't it? You're the practitioner, you, you know, you've got the skill set of what the business is, not necessarily a, a, the more rounded approach. Being a woman, do you think it was an advantage of you to do this because of your higher EQ skills? I hate that. Well, men did this and women are okay, that no, crusade. However, because I'll tell yes. you now, I wouldn't ask that question if you were a man. <laughs> but but what I do want to do with this video, these videos is prove to the women out there that there are role models that you can, you know, yeah. just because you know most estate agents are, are, are male in terms of the bosses, I do genuinely believe women make better estate agents. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, and it's not banging the drum for women no. because um, all much as you know, I'm very proud of of what I am and, and what we do. But I think generally we just are naturally better listeners. We empathise better, agree with you on the on the higher EQ. And certainly for a, a certain type of client who wants to be listened to and um, building up of, of the trust and going into homes. I mean, these are people's safe spaces and mm. we're privileged enough to go into those houses. It isn't just about a transaction. Do you, so, do you think we as an industry are too transactional? Um, we can be. I, I think the better estate agents do it, aren't. Uh, you know, maybe your online is more transactional and that's okay. There's a place for that. But equally, there's a place for the fuller service agent, which is what I see that we are, where people do want, you know, they do want that relationship build. They do want the trust. They do want to talk to us. They do want to offload. I mean, sometimes I suppose we feel like therapists at mm, times with, with what people share with us, what they entrust on us. Coming back to, thank you, by the way, thank, coming back to you buying the business, do you think it helped that your husband, husband number two, was a business owner as well? So you almost had that, you, you know, it wasn't a scary thing because... Yes and no, because he'd had as many challenges as I did. So, um, and I was supporting his business as well still at that time which then we reached a point where I just went, I can't do any more, let's get an accountant in. Um, and, you know, we can't, I, I can't keep spinning so many plates. Um, so, yes, okay. it, it probably did to a degree. And, and how old were the kids in, you know, 2015 when, when Tim eventually left? Um, 2015, gosh, what? too many of them to remember. Um, probably mid-teens mid and mid-teens and upwards. Again, coming back to the fact that you're a woman, did you have any guilt or, you know, trying to run a household, the kids and the business? 100%. Um, and again, I appreciate, I would not answer that question if you were a man. <laughs> but again, I am on a mission to try and, you know, you know, to talk about this subject. What, 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 what guilt did you have? You... Um, 
you never can be 100% focused in whichever whichever role, whatever hat you're wearing at that time. If you're at work, you still got your mum hat on. If you're at home, you still got your work hat on. Um, I would settle when they were at school. I could I could forget about them and I could focus. The hardest times I remember would be school holidays, and the juggle that you would have to go through. You know, they're here, they're at football club, or we've got a childminder for that day, or as they got a little bit older, well, one of them's at two of them are, are at home. But how stimulate? You know, they're safe, but are they stimulated? So you you have to learn to live again with being uncomfortable and knowing that you're just not always going to get it right. Did you fear the judgment of others, the fact that you were doing all this thing? Because, again, that's a big trait that comes from talking to other mum bosses of the state, is it? Um, or the perceived judgment. Judgment from who? That from, from your family, from your friends, from your work colleagues, from the proverbial mums that meet at the school gate and know they were at the age of that, um, for your family? Um, family have always been very supportive. The kids have always been very supportive. Um, all six of them are, are amazing. So I, th I look back and think, well, we must have got something right between okay. us. Um, but so but the judgment was probably on myself rather than ah, from others. And, and what advice would you give to to fellow females, fellow women who are running their own bosses in terms of the actual day-to-day -day strategies and tactics on how to mitigate this and how to run things so you don't feel so guilty? Because um, you shouldn't feel guilty, should they? You shouldn't. So I think it's stop trying to be perfect. It's not going to happen. You know, if you have to chuck something quickly on the table for tea and it's not absolutely what you would have wanted to do, do you know, just, just go with it. I think... If I look back sometimes, I spent probably too much time trying to keep the house tidy, keeping on top of the washing, getting that last report finished. There are times really, if I could have just chilled out a bit more on my own standards, I might have been able to spend a bit more time with the kids um, instead of trying to be everything to everybody that you just can't keep up. Moving forward to, to the business, can you remember the first day when it was all yours, when Tim had gone? Yes, I think I, I, I think I can. Um, and what was that like? How did it make you feel? Bit scary, bit daunting, bit. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> um, but actually, such a, a determination and a, and a fire in my belly to just make it blooming work. Um, you were now in control, so therefore that everything rested on your shoulders. Uh, was everything plain saving in those first few years? Oh, God, no. Because, I mean, as, as Tim sort of officially retired, I think at the end of 2015, two months earlier, the office had gone through its second flood. The town of Cockermouth had flooded again. So it was just straight into dealing with, with that. Um, and actually second time round, we turned the office around with, with the support of Neil, my husband, we turned the office around an awful lot quicker than we did first time round. I think the town had already been through it. We knew what we were doing. So, so that was the first thing. We'd had the general election. So the market really wasn't doing very much. We then went into Brexit, the referendum, the tenant fee ban, all these things were quite big challenges to, to have to go through, yeah. Which is the lowest point that you've been at? 
and, and we're going to come on and talk about lockdown in a second. Mm -hmm. But Lowest point, I think for me, any sort of staffing issues have always been more challenging. I'm not naturally a confrontational person. I think the any people issues, they're not black and white. Um, so I would often go over them in, in my head. Um, during lockdown, I did close an office and have to make a team redundant, which was very, very difficult for me on a personal level to do um, for lots of reasons. So, so that in itself was a low point, but I could cope with it because I knew I was doing the right thing. Why did you have to close the second office? Is it second office? Third, third, third office. office. Um, I hadn't been making money. I, it was always on my radar that, you know, it's not making money. What are you going to do about it, Rachel? And I think I probably was either, I was probably too proud. I can make this blooming thing work or not brave enough for such a significant shift change for the business. It's quite a close knit company. Um, not brave enough to do it, but I think lockdown forced that decision right there in front of me. Do you think if we hadn't have had COVID and all the ramifications of that, it would you'd probably still have that third office? Honest answer, probably yes. Yeah. What would your message be to estate agents out there who have a underperforming office? Because yeah, I don't know about you, but. What I've seen an awful lot of agents do is, instead of spending more time at the sickly office, they tend to get sucked into actually spending more time at the good offices. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key is get to the root cause of the issue, whether it's a, a people issue or, or whatever it might be. Really drill down. Don't don't let it off your radar. Do try the things that you know the strategy. Certain strategies. It might be a specific thing. It might be the wrong person leading the office. Um, it, you know, give it a go first. But if that's not working, and and in your heart of hearts you know it's not right, you've got to you've got to take that you've got to take that brave step. Interesting. You say pride. Do you think? a lot of agents get pride in the in the way of the way they run their business i know i have done at times with some of the decisions i've made um a bit of a stubbornness in me i'm quite competitive so you know it, it wasn't working before i can blooming well make it work and it's knowing the time because the other thing about that office is we'd we'd also committed quite a lot of money to it we'd done a big refurb on it it was going to be the office where we were centralizing our property management and it took, I had to step back and go, okay, I've spent that money, but if I keep going in this direction, how much more am I going to lose? So it was almost sort of accepting and swallowing the fact that I would essentially lose on it short term, but I would have so much more gains longer term. So it's almost like a secondhand car that you might change one aspect of it, but how often do you, just because you spent the first yeah. lot, do you keep spending? Yeah. So... By making those people redundant, and, and I've been there myself, it's not the prettiest thing to do. No. It's one of the it was, lowest things I've ever had and, to do. And because it was lockdown, essentially I had to, I did it on my own in an office over Zoom or via via telephone, and that in a way didn't didn't feel right either. Um, Were you worried so, the day before or the weeks to, to do this, what people would think of you? I, I was less bothered about me because 
as hard as it was for me, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be on the receiving end of that difficult news. So probably for me, it was, it was more um, maybe a bit of perception of failure, but the fact I was impacting on people's lives in a negative way, and that, and that was a really hard thing to to shoulder. How have you have you dealt with it since in your head? Um, well, we did take some some people back on, um, and they've gone to to the other offices, which was a positive, and. For those who were made redundant, I know of a number that have moved on and got jobs. So that's fine, and you know, that's made. I suppose that's made me feel better. Um, moving on from it, it, it was for the greater good of the whole of the business. So. So almost, if if you hadn't, you've always got to take out. I hate to use the word, but you've got to take out the cancerous part. And I'm not, but you know, to to save the rest. Yeah. How did the rest of your colleagues? In the, in the business react to the fact that some of their colleagues in their office were being... It was, it was a difficult time, as I say. The company had never gone through anything like that before, so it, it, it was a hard time. It was a, it was a bit of a shock. And, and what would you do differently if, that, if, if you had your time again? In terms of that this, redundancy yes. piece? Um, I'm not sure I would do anything differently. I, I feel I did it as well as I could at the time. I put a lot of thought into it. You know, I remember working, it, it was it was Easter during lockdown and I worked right through that to, to make sure I did it as, as well as I felt I could. So you came out of lockdown and I know we're going to talk about that in a lot more detail in another video, but um, what have been the issues? I know, let's be honest, selling houses, is, it's been quite easy. What, what have been your main issues? And again, we'll go into a got more detail in another video. Sort of coming out of lockdown. Mm. Um, the fact the market just got opened up and off we go. You're still sort of in a, you're in reactive mode. It's, it's not sort of, it's short term reactive for us. It was a lot of resource issues. We still had um, sort of coming out, well, certainly towards the back end of that second lockdown when schools were closed, you know, a lot of my team are, are working mums and there was definitely resource challenges there. Cranking up, coping with the level of activity on lower level of staffing was, was very challenging. Um, in the next video, which we'll, we'll do in a second, um, we'll go into a lot more detail so mm -hmm. we can share that with the guys and girls. Um, Rachel, what does the future look like for, for you and your estate agency? So, um, lots more plans. We've just had a restructure, so kind of learned in lockdown. There's um, Preston Baker have a really good model, which is kind of the hunter-farmer approach. Um, lead generation team, client services team, property management team. So I've restructured the business during lockdown um, because I believe that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, great for a progression route through a state agency. So lots more work on that. Building up the property management team is the way I want to move forward. Um, that we can offer refresh, refurb schemes, not only to our landlords, but also to our sale clients, new landlords coming in. People can, you know, if they've if they're selling a house and work needs doing, our property management team can support that. If they buy a house but then want to upgrade, I want to be able to offer there. So it becomes so much more than a traditional estate agency. So, um, and you've got that through 
uh, working with Ian Preston? So that's just, I mean, that's one of the great things about Peter Knight and Property Academy. Sometimes I kind of see him like a, you remember those switchboard ladies in the 50s and they'd be there plugging this in and plugging that in. He's really good at connecting you with people well, we had, we when had you Sarah have issues. Jane, we had SJ um, uh, from uh, last week. Amazing. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And I've met Ian a number of times. Very clever chap. Yeah. But. So I think why I like Peter and Property Academy, you can go there with an issue and he'll go, ah, right, I know the guy for you. Richard at Northfield, Spencer at Paramount, Ian at Preston Baker. And what's lovely is those people, I often feel I, I take from them, but I don't give back. But it, it's all done with such goodwill. Um, and I've learned from lots of different businesses along the way. But you are giving back because you're here on the Watkins sofa and you're going to teach other agents what you've learned. <laughs> you know, if you, if you could have your time again as an estate agent, from, from your whole journey from moving up to, to, to the Lake District, you know, and becoming a, you know, a part-time accounts person in 2000 to now, 2021, so that's 21 years. Obviously, you started as a, as a, as a, a wee girl. <laughs> If there's one thing that you could change, mm -hmm. what would it be? Probably have the courage of my convictions a little bit more, more confidence. You know, if I've got a gut feel about something, something that I was feel would be right, I, I would very often be holding back because I just didn't, didn't have the confidence to do it. So be braver, probably. Just go with it. Rachel, thank you for your time today. All In right. the next few videos, I'd like to talk about your challenges specifically through lockdown so we can help the guys and girls out there in the state agency land. We'll also talk about things that piss you off, excuse <laughs> my French, things that you really like about the industry um, and other aspects. So, But this is the first one we want to do. Thank you for your time today. And I hope you boys and girls out there in the state agency land have learned a lot from what I consider, well, what Peter Knight considers and from what I've seen so far, one of the best estate agents out there in the UK. Thank you for your time today. Thank you.